Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There are real threats against you as Christian people. Real threats. And I'm not trying to elicit fear. This is not sensationalism. I'm just simply telling you the truth. There are threats against you. There are external threats and there are internal threats. There are those who seek to persecute and even to demolish you as Christian people. And there are internal threats. There is our own sinful, selfish, greedy pride that gets in the way oftentimes of the good news of Jesus Christ. I tell you this today in order to remind you about our enemy named Satan and the way that he works in order to try to devour the believers of Jesus Christ. I want you to know this, but more than that, I want to remind you today of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has overcome all of the things that seem to be powerful in this world. Jesus Christ is powerful over all things that seem to be powerful. If people rise up to persecute the Christians, Jesus is powerful over their persecution because he has already won over the grave. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is also powerful over our sinful, selfish, greedy pride. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has the power to undo that selfishness that's within us. And in Christ, we cannot merely love ourselves. With Christ, our lives are changed so that we love generously and selfishly for the sake of our neighbors, not counting the cost to ourselves. Today, we read about Stephen, who became the very first Christian martyr. Now, here's what happened. We only read the final result, but let me tell you the story real quick. There were the 12 apostles. Last week, we read about the replacement of Judas with with Matthias, and then those 12 were doing a lot of good things. The church was booming. People were, were coming to Christ, and so those apostles needed to multiply themselves, so they appointed another seven guys to be leaders within the church, and Stephen was one of these guys. Stephen then was doing some remarkable things, preaching boldly, healing people, and the Jews in the city of Jerusalem did not like this. And so they often came to Stephen and tried to belittle him and challenge him, but the scriptures say that they could not put up with his wisdom. He was just too wise and eloquent in his speech. And so they had to devise another plot to deal with him. And so they raised up a big stink about this guy named Stephen. They even recruited some people to give false accusations, false testimony about Stephen. So Stephen was arrested because of all these false accusations. They even said things like, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place, this temple, and against Moses' law. These things were not true, but the people had to arrest him because they were fearing a revolt. Then they gave Stephen a chance to explain himself. If you're ever looking for a Cliff Notes version of the Old Testament, you ever read through the Old Testament, you go, whoa, I have no idea what this means. If you're looking for a Cliff Notes version, turn to Acts chapter 7 and read Acts chapter 7. 
because Stephen, in his defense, gives essentially the Cliff Notes version of the whole Old Testament. He just, boom, boom, very systematically works through the Old Testament to get all the way to this is why Jesus had to come and this is what you did to Jesus. You murdered him. You murdered him. And the people get so enraged with this that they pick up stones and they begin to throw them at Stephen and they continue to throw rocks at Stephen until he breathes his last But in his final breaths, these are the words that Stephen speaks. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Hmm. Powerful words. Stephen's death in many ways mirrors the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus falsely accused, false testimony, a gruesome death, and a final plea of Jesus for forgiveness for the murderers. Stephen's words echo the words of Jesus, right? When he's hanging on the cross, what does Jesus speak? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. In Stephen's death, he mirrors the death of his Savior, Jesus Christ. Standing there, giving approval to this gruesome death was a man named Saul. And after the death of Stephen, a great persecution broke out against the church, against the people of God, and this man Saul is heavily involved in it. It says that he was involved in going to people's houses and dragging them out of their houses to bring them to prison. These are Christian people. Saul's dragging Christians out of their houses to be imprisoned, and many likely even put to death. We're going to talk more about this Saul guy next week, and so we'll just leave him right here. For now, though, I want to ask you, dear Christians, is being a Christian easy or hard for you? Is being a Christian easy or hard for you? I would say that being a a, a Christian in 21st century America does not really compare at all with what life was like to be a Christian in the city of Jerusalem in the first century. It's just not even close. It's, it's, not, even, it's not even comparable. As a matter of fact, being a Christian in 21st century America is, is, is unlike any experience that Christians have ever had throughout time or throughout the world, I could say. Being a Christian here at this time and in this place is just It's just different. And should I go so far as to say that it's easier to be a Christian here? According to worldly standards, I would say say yes. We don't face threats of physical violence or death for our Christian faith. Sure, we're probably not supposed to talk about Jesus in the public work environments in which we live and go and, and spend our time. Sure, However, is that, a, is that an actual real threat against your livelihood or against your life? Not really. Those are, those are mostly our own fears and worries that we've conjectured in our own heads, right? I don't, I don't think it's as much of a threat as we oftentimes think it is. The case is so much different for many Christians throughout the world's history and even throughout the current world in which we live right now. 
There is an organization called Open Doors, and I've shared some of their information with you as a church before, but there are many of you who are here who have not heard this or seen this before. This organization is a Christian organization, and they keep track of Christian persecution that's happening in countries around the world, and they work to alleviate the problem. I want to show you a quick video, a one-minute video, that kind of briefly explains what they do and, uh, and, and its effects on the world currently. Take a look at this. For the last 20 years, Open Doors has been producing the World Watch List, which ranks the top 50 countries where it's most difficult to be a Christian. The list is compiled by a group of experts, audited by an outside organization specializing in religious freedom and is the best and most authoritative list of its kind. Through on-the-ground interviews and data analysis, it provides an accurate picture of the difficulties persecuted Christians face around the world. For each country, the list looks at a variety of factors persecuted Christians endure in their public and private lives, such as persecution from the government, the community, and even their own families. Open Doors estimates that in the top 50 countries alone, over 215 million believers face intimidation, prison, even death. That is one in 12 Christians worldwide. But the list is not just numbers and figures. It represents those who have decided to follow Jesus, no matter the cost. We believe there is only one body of Christ, and when one part suffers, every part suffers. We hope you feel called to learn more and pray for the millions of believers around the world where persecution is a daily reality. At this point, I don't have a, a lot more to say about that organization other than go and check it out, open doors uh, online, and you can uh, you can, you can uh, continue to pray for the persecuted church throughout the world and also uh, get involved in many different ways as well. There are these external threats that wage war against us as Christian people, the persecution of the church. Uh, but for us, as American Christians, I think the biggest threat to us as, is not necessarily with those external persecutions, but, all, but instead the, the internal things that we battle with as, as 21st century American Christians. We deal uh, in this country, I believe, some of our top sins are selfish, selfish greed and pride. We want what we want when we want it. If convenience is not convenient, it's not convenient and we don't want it. We want our money and our possessions to be ours. We want a faith and a church that works for us and fits us and, and fits into our schedules and our time and all the things that we do in this life. We, we are consumer-driven people in a, in a consumer-driven culture. If you're not aware of that, I, I would encourage you to pay attention. Yes, of course, we as people want to be generous. I do believe we do. We want to be generous. We want to be selfless and we want to be bold, but often we want to do it when we want to do it. I think we, as American Christians, relate more to this husband and wife in Acts chapter 5 named Ananias and Sapphira. We relate more to them than we do to Stephen and his death by having rocks thrown at him in Acts chapter 7. 
Let me share with you what happened to Ananias and Sapphira, and you tell me if you think you relate to these guys. It says this, A man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, key point there, uh, his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you've contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and he breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me, whether you sold the land for, for so much? And she said, Yes, for so much. Uh, but Peter said to her, How is it that you've agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. They lied about their financial giving <laughs> to the church, essentially. They said that they sold a piece of property and, and we gave it all to you. When in reality, they kept some for themselves. They lied about it. And then what happened? They both fall dead. Yikes! That's, that's real stuff. This week... For those of you who are members of this church, for those of you who are members, you're going to get something in the mail. You're going to get a, a pledge letter at your house pledging for what you plan on uh, contributing to the financial offerings of this church in the year of 2019. That's quite a transition, huh? You, you might be thinking, whoa, 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 wait a second. Now that sounds like bribery. That sounds like that sounds like threats. That sounds like you're saying, hey, make a pledge, give generously, and if you don't, you'll die. You know me. I would never say such a thing, and that's not true. That's not true, all right? But I would be so bold to ask you, is being a Christian easy or hard for you? Is being a Christian easy or hard for you? As I've already said, I, I think for us as 21st century American Christians living in this country, the biggest threats to us and the wellness of our faith and our lives and our churches is not necessarily the external persecution from other people, but it's our own selfish, prideful decisions that Satan loves to work in us and increase among us. Sometimes it even invades us to such a level where we watch a video like we just watched. And we see what's going on around the world and we say, hmm, that's terrible. I'm glad I live where I do. And that's it. We are busied and we're burdened with our own self-inflicted commitments. We like, our, we like our Christian faith as the sugar coating on all of these things of life. And, and we, again, like what we want when we want it and how we want it. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, to pay attention to this reality because being a Christian will not, will not necessarily make your life easier. It will oftentimes make it more difficult. And how will it become more difficult for us here in America, for us 21st century American Christians? I think 
I think the rubber hits the road oftentimes for us when we are called, when our faith calls us to live selflessly, not selfishly. When, it, when our faith, when the words of Jesus call us to live boldly and give generously, whether it be of our time or our financial resources, when those things come into conflict with our own personal desires and sometimes our own personal needs, when those things battle against each other, which way will we turn? I want to speak personally for just a minute. And I've shared this before, and I, and I share this with you not, not, to, not to boast, but, but as, a, as a story of real people living in this. My wife and I made a commitment long ago uh, that we would, we would give 10% of our income directly back into the ministry of Christ Church. It's the very first thing that exists in our budget. But this year, this year has been a, a difficult financial year for us, particularly with health things. Our daughter, Phoebe, for those of you who don't know, has been battling major eczema. We've gone to see specialists and had to buy creams upon creams. Some of you know that experience before. Uh, and, and so it, we've been paying more medical bills than we've ever paid in our lives. And it's easy oftentimes to look at this uh, monthly budget, which we, which we do literally have, and the very first number at the top is our giving, and it's, and, and it's a big number, and it's very easy to look at that and say, wow, life would be so much easier. We'd have so much more money if we just didn't give anything. We could take care of all this and so much more. I'll be honest with you, we choose not to do that. We choose to continue to give regardless. And some of you might say, well, that sounds, that sounds dumb. That sounds financially stupid. But I'll tell you what, God never ceases to provide. He never ceases to provide when there is need. And it seems that the tougher the predicaments get in life, the more that I realize the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and his reality to provide as we have need. And again, please, please listen to me. I'm not saying this to, to boast. I'm not saying you must do what we do. I'm just simply telling you the reality of this experience. I'm just telling you the reality of this experience. And when we, when you, those of you who are members, you receive that letter at home, that pledge card, I just want to be honest with you. If, if you decide to make a pledge, that's not necessarily for us as a church uh, to, to look at what you're pledging and, and to base our decisions off of that. Uh, honestly, it's much more about you and it's a, it's a conversation starter for those of you who are married, for you to converse with your spouse and your family, to be deliberate and intentional about how you want to utilize these gifts of God. And I want you to do this. I just encourage you as families, as people, as individuals, as couples to have those conversations at home because I do believe that this is one of the biggest challenges for us as American Christians. We love, we love, and we desire to be generous people. We want to give, but oftentimes what happens is we end up, if not paying attention and being deliberate, we end up giving with the leftovers. And I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking with our time and our busy schedules. We give with the leftovers. And if you're like most Americans, there oftentimes aren't any leftovers left. We like to consume those as well. We simply, in this country, I just believe we have a different mentality about the difficulties that exist in being a Christian. We have a different mentality, a different experience than our brothers and sisters throughout the world, currently and throughout time. There are so many Christian brothers and sisters in this world that are not even thinking like you're thinking. They're not thinking at all like you're thinking. They're thinking 
I believe in Jesus Christ, and I am willing to the point of death to boldly confess the death and resurrection of Jesus because I know that in him there is victory. You know, I can't even imagine the life that those initial disciples had. Somebody like Stephen, who walked with Jesus, who watched him live, watched him die, watched him rose, watched him ascend into heaven, and then had the Holy Spirit invade his life and his friend's life. I can't even imagine, but I would believe that that would create within us such an unshakable faith, right? Such an unshakable faith that allows us to do supernatural things in the name of Jesus. I can't imagine what that would be like. But I also can't imagine what life is like for our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout this world right now who are facing difficulties. It is estimated that right now, 50,000 Christians in North Korea alone are living in prison camps worse than Auschwitz. 50,000 right now living in prison camps worse than Auschwitz. You've seen the pictures, you've read the history books, watched the movies on the History Channel right now, right now. There are brothers and sisters in Christ in Afghanistan, Sudan, and Somalia who are threatened, who are imprisoned, who are killed, not just by the government, but by their own families for confessing the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. My friends, there are real threats in this world to those who confess Jesus Christ. But the reality is those threats have been part of the story from the very beginning. How did Christianity begin? It began with death. The death of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. He was killed for being the truth and the way and the life. His death for our death. His punishment for our sinful, selfish, greedy selves. But it's his resurrection that sealed the deal. It's his resurrection that sealed the deal. Because in his resurrection, he proved to Satan that Satan has no power. Death has no power. Sin has no power. Those external and internal threats are ultimately subjected to the authority of Jesus who has overcome. Forgiveness wins today. Life wins today. Not murderous threats, not selfish greed, life forgiveness now and forever for you and for the world. My friends, I pray that you live boldly and gladly in this truth and remember this reality that it is often in the most difficult moments where we become humbled enough to truly understand the resurrection of power of Jesus Christ and its reality in our lives. Don't worry, don't fear, go boldly in his name. You are alive in Christ now and forever. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen.